0: Greetings my friend. We are all interested in the future for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That
1: is why you are here.
0: Episode four hundred and forty-five of the AFTN podcast. I am Joe D.C. and this week I am joined by Gideon Hill. Hey, Joe, how's it going? Very good, Gideon. Right, I asked Peter last week, "Are you ready to be hearse again this season?" But we've got a lot more <laughs> optimism this time around. I see. It's a uh, it's a touchy
2: subject for sure. I it's it's not one you can really answer with you know certainty, um, but. New year, new season comes new opportunities and optimism. I guess
0: and a hundred percent record for the Whitecaps so far. It doesn't hurt either. No, certainly
2: getting off on the right foot against a formidable Portland opponent for sure. Yeah, yeah.
0: How how are you feeling after Game One? What 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 was the overarching emotion for you after watching that game?
2: I think beating a team like Portland, I I know I say like Portland with certainly that they're a good team, and I mean they are after defeating. Team in the in the champ, Cap Champions League. I think it was marathon. four or five nothing with yeah, marathon with certainty that they, you know, amazing scoreline in that one. And Jimmy Chara was just sensational with the hat trick. So I was very worried coming into Sunday and knowing that we hadn't played a, you know, a serious game besides preseason, what, four or five months, six months. So yeah, I'm very happy with this result. I'm uh, glad Cavallini Kava got off to the the races with a headed goal. I think those, albeit against weaker opponents in preseason those goals for Canada uh, really do a lot for confidence as well as those two against Chicago. So I'm happy for them. I'm happy they, they got off the set piece and off
0: to the right foot or on the right foot to start the season here. Yeah, that, that goal, you know, so often you look at a goal and you say there was a bit of luck or, you know, there was an accident somewhere in the buildup. That goal was meant to be like, it, it panned out the way that they wanted it to pan out. The strength behind that header was just Mm -hmm. fantastic and I'm with you I'm really happy that Cavallini's gotten off to a running start so yeah I I mean I I don't know how many people I I speak
2: on this for but I mean how long have we been you know screaming for a goal like that like a set piece perfect ball whipped in by Gutierrez and then just a perfect header like we've missed that for for years I mean Watson provided that but a striker that can score those goals like Mm -hmm. that's been sorely missed and I think it does set out the Whitecaps on the right foot from this game and, and going forward in the MLS season
0: yeah, you you are forgetting a um a, a goal scoring force that was Pamu Dukan, but we'll we'll move past that one. Well, he scored a lot of footed goals too, but he scored okay. two in a game once. That was a weird. Yeah, against three. Seattle, one of them was like a heel flick. I remember that off a free kick yeah.
2: from Teixeira. So crazy yeah, how I, those things happen.
0: That was one of those games that I I finished watching more confused than. I start you um, you left can work. <laughs> exactly, yes. I don't know if that's good or bad. goals in a Cascadia. Anybody can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, Freddie well, well, Montero can. Oh wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we we know more about the Whitecaps now than we did a week ago, for example. But it feels like there was lots of pleasant surprises in there. What, what was what were some things that surprised you about the team?
2: I think just how how fluid they were not in the first 15 minutes or so but throughout the game I think they developed maybe they didn't hold the ball for a whole lot but they definitely recovered well and I think that's MDS's standpoint of, of getting the ball back and working hard and being exciting you know it was a one nil scoreline but I feel like they created a decent amount of chances and um, I just think the fluidity in midfield was was evident from the get-go and you know not having Alexandre or, or Wusu in there was definitely disappointing and I feel like we can never have the white caps can never have the full team that they sign in the in the off season the first game of the season which is super frustrating but I think the team around them will help them and acclimate Gashpar and alexandre into the team and getting them going right right off the hop here so I think it's scary good that the white caps won this game or the game against Portland and as well that they have three, two or three guns in Adnan as well that can come into this team and be starters and, and help the team win even more.
0: Yeah. That's what's so encouraging is that this was kind of a, a baseline and we're just going to add supposedly exciting pieces um, on top of that. We, we do have um, an interview uh, that Michael did with uh, Bruno Gaspar and Kyle Alexander uh, coming up at the end of this segment. So we'll, we'll hear a little bit about them about uh, why they've come to Vancouver and why they've come to MLS and what what the fans can expect from them. So while we might not see them necessarily uh, on the field this week, although there apparently is a small chance, we're we're going to hear from them directly on today's pod. Um just before we we move on, um, you know we we spoke about pleasant surprises, but um, I don't think anyone's under the illusion that uh, this is this is it. Like this is the finished article. But what were a couple of things, Gideon, that you thought? needed to be worked on or needed to be looked at um
2: I think conversion again I think we, we everybody has is, is talked about this before like the the final ball which I think we saw in that goal by Cavallini for sure but I just mean the, the finished product and in, in front of goal um and I think being a little bit more strong in the ball and, and not giving it away I saw that in the first little bit of the game where was just kind of nervous and you know, it wasn't necessarily passes weren't hundred percent thought through, or they weren't connecting. So a little bit more of that. But I think as a team, as a whole, I'm I'm very impressed and very happy with how they performed. And I think there's not one single player that maybe in the past we could have picked out. I think it was more of a team, you know, a, a huge win and maybe some little nitpicks. I'm sure MBS will will work on in training.
0: Yeah, I I generally agree with that. Um, the the one thing I was a little bit worried about watching that game was the. In the four-four-two, I guess the the midfield two seemed not always to be there to do the defensive covering work. Um, I'm not quite sure if that's a player problem or a, a system problem, but there certainly was potential in that match to get overloaded in the midfield. Um, although it didn't happen that much because the game was so dynamic, it seemed to be breaking either way at any given point.
2: Yeah, and if I can like just jump in, you know, you say that, and that's what's scary is that. I know Baldissimo dropped really deep at times, almost as a third centre-back, which I like because he has that distribution. But playing a team like Portland, who have three very strong midfielders in the trio with Williamson, uh, Diego Char, and Diego Valeri, like those three are three of the best MLS at those positions. So you can easily get broken down by that three diamond. I'm not sure if we'll see that as much with Toronto as we get into it, but just having those three there and being so open at times can be a little confusing and, and concerning, as you say, Joe. Yeah.
0: Um, Okay. well, um, before we go on to preview Toronto and uh, the start of the season they've had and maybe a little look at how they did last year, uh, let's jump to this interview with uh, Bruno Gaspar and Kyle Alexander, um, who will talk about uh, various things, including why they've come to Vancouver.
3: Hi there, Bruno. Welcome to Vancouver. It's good to see you here. It's been a long time for you getting here, but can we just start by asking you, when did you first know of the Whitecaps interest in signing you? And what was it about coming to the Whitecaps and to Major League Soccer that particularly interested you?
4: Uh, It was about two, three, uh, two months, maybe. Uh, my my agent call me and uh, talk me about the about the, the Vancouver. Um, I know the I watch it sometimes. Uh, MLS also Vancouver. Uh, I really enjoyed the, the team. Uh, also the fans, the stadium, uh, the city is very good. So, what can I can I ask more for uh, fans, uh, the city, the club? Stuff it's a it's a perfect club to
3: to play from what you've seen of mls compared to what you've been used to playing over in europe how do you think the level compares and what did you make of the the first game that you saw live on sunday the the win over portland
4: i think uh, every team has have the the same level um very good players uh and i don't know i think europe is more tactical maybe um here have more runs uh the the game is more fast yeah
3: this is a a league where full backs that can really push forward seem to do well the the kind of play that you bring to this team, what can fans expect to see from you in terms of how you're going to play this year?
4: Yeah, I, uh, I like to attack as every fullbacks, uh, but uh, I see myself like a balanced player. Uh, I also defend. Mm, I also have a good pass, so yeah, they can expect uh, attack. Good passes, uh, good crosses. So,
3: thanks, Bruno. Really good to see you here. Thank you. Hi there, Kyle. Welcome to the Whitecaps. What was it uh, about the Whitecaps' interest that made you decide that Major
1: League Soccer was where you're wanting to now play? bom dia, obrigado pela recepção. Desde que Chegou a proposta do Vancouver para mim. Eu fiquei muito feliz. É, é um grande desafio jogar a MLS. É uma liga que vem crescendo constantemente. É uma liga que vem revelando grandes jogadores. Então, para mim, vai ser um desafio muito grande. Um desafio que vai agregar muito na minha vida profissional, na minha evolução. É, como ser humano também, vou crescer muito, pois estou sozinho aqui na cidade. Então, o amadurecimento é tem que ser rápido, porque você tem que se virar e acaba sendo uma grande evolução na minha vida então esse projeto me agradou além de do treinador do Mark me ajudar muito a conversar comigo é, demonstrar interesse na minha contratação fiquei muito feliz que eu vinha de um na Série A de Campeonato Brasileiro com 50 jogos então para mim foi um grande prazer receber essa proposta e na hora fiquei feliz aceitei abracei o projeto e quero continuar evoluindo na minha carreira, evoluindo como ser humano e crescendo aqui dentro do clube.
5: Thank you for the thank you for the welcome. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, since I got, since I first learned of the interest, uh, I was very excited and interested, as it is a growing league with lots of young players who are very excited, lots of energy. Uh, I'm here to continue to grow my game, improve myself, uh, evolve as a human being and as a player as the league does. Um, Mark's involvement in the, throughout the whole process was key. He showed a lot of interest, he talked to me a lot and uh, it got me very excited. As I said, I want to continue growing and evolving as a person and as a player. And uh, I think this was the right place for me at this time in my career.
3: Just following on from that, having a coaching staff that, that speak Portuguese being able to communicate that way with the coach was was that a, a
1: big swing point for you? Ah, eu já vinha estudando inglês há um tempo. É, desde que antes de saber da proposta, uns cinco meses atrás, eu já estava estudando inglês. Tô aprendendo dia a dia, e o Marco fala português para mim foi essencial, né? Porque me passou o projeto do clube, me passou o que o que eu queria escutar, né? A verdade como era que eu poderia evoluir com o meu futebol aqui na MLS. Então, para mim foi de suma importância. Creio que agora, dentro do vestiário com os jogadores falando inglês, eu posso pegar a língua um pouco mais rápido e, e agregar também dentro de campo, porque eu vim dar o meu melhor, vim ajudar meus companheiros, vim somar e, se Deus quiser, conquistar títulos aqui com Vancouver.
5: I've been learning. I've been learning to speak English for a while before coming, before the interest from the Whitecaps. But uh, the Mark's ability to speak Portuguese was very important, as he could explain the club's project and uh, how I would fit into his vision and how he could help me develop as a player. On a day-to-day basis, I'm learning from my teammates, from our interactions in training, in the locker room. I'm picking up on. Diff-
3: on, on various bits of English, and uh, yeah, that that helps a lot. How much MLS have you watched, and how do you feel? You think it compares to the Brazilian league?
1: Ah, já estava acompanhando sim a MLS. Como eu disse, é um campeonato que tem crescido muito, tem revelado grandes jogadores, e agora passei a acompanhar bem mais. Uh, tem alguns amigos que estão jogando a MLS. E, e para mim tem tem sido de suma importância estudar saber como é o jogo é, porque no Brasil é, é um jogo técnico é um jogo de força e aqui também tem jogadores com muita técnica jogadores que têm um nível de força um pouco elevado também e, e buscar trabalhar forte para igualar é, o nível de força o nível de, de técnica o mais rápido possível para que possa eu possa ajudar dentro do campo então É, o Campeonato Brasileiro é um campeonato de refino técnico, creio que aqui na MLS também é, está com esse refino técnico. Temos grandes jogadores dentro da nossa equipe que vão nos ajudar com grandes jogos, com grandes gols, assistências e quero trabalhar para que, que eu seja um deles, com muita humildade, pé no chão, para que eu possa ajudar o Vancouver.
5: Uh, eu the, the a Liga um pouco, é uma Liga que está crescendo And internationally, I also have a few friends in the league, Um, so I I followed it because of important uh, regards to the style of the league and the differences. It's important to learn and study them. So I've been watching a bit of the MLS and the the Brazilian league is a very technical with some physical aspects to the game. Uh, I need to improve on the physical a little bit on the physical side of my game. Can contribute the team technically and physically um, and I'm working every day to get to a higher
3: standard thanks Kyle good luck we got a chance to speak to Bruno and Kyle yesterday they came across as a, a couple of guys that really want to be here really looking forward to what lies in store for them What have you seen from them so far in training and how far away do you think they are before you might see them involved? Maybe not as starters, but in some capacity in matches.
6: How they looked. uh, I'm not surprised when we make so much work on our recruitment side to bring players and then see their characteristics because um, we looked at them a lot. Uh, Bruno is incredibly comfortable on the ball. Um, Offensive-minded, uh, possession-oriented player. Um, knows the role very well. They, they struggle with the first two days physically. Um, they said the altitude, you know, hydration. They're, they're still in the process of getting used to everything. But today, today looked better. And today they looked good, both of them. Uh, so... We have to be careful with the process. You know, when you want to speed up players too fast, then an injury could occur. And instead of being patient one more week, you lose them for months. You know, we don't want to do that. But do we think there's a possibility of them traveling to Orlando this week? And Yes, but... Um with a lot of communication and with work with our performance team, we'll know exactly when's the right time to, to have them in. We want to speed up the process, but at the same time, be careful with it.
0: And uh, that was Bruno Gaspar and Kyle Alexander. Two players I'm sure we're all very excited to see on the pitch eventually. Maybe this week, uh, but most likely um, starters at some point in the next few weeks. Um, So, Gideon, let's have a quick look at uh, Toronto FC. Obviously, they lost that first game of the season. We'll touch on that in a second. But, uh, yeah, last season, moderately successful, made the playoffs, but got knocked out in the first round. Overall, I guess, a disappointment for someone who finished, or for a team that finished uh, second overall yeah and I think i i was
2: uh, i mean going to the end of the season, I was very surprised a little surprised i guess i should say about Greg Vanny parted ways, but the success in in post season is something I'm not really surprised by. they didn't have the necessary scoring depth they didn't look comfortable from the get go playing um Nashville, who are again, i say this word a lot, but a fluid team they're they're young, they're dynamic, they have great wingers, great build up as well, a very young team so um that was interesting to see them you know drop in that fashion and see Nashville go pretty far um but yeah I I expect a little bit more out of them given you know how strong they are they didn't add a whole lot in the offseason um they lost Piatti which I thought they would have for sure picked up his contract given that he's a DP so a little surprised by that but um other than that I think a little disappointed I think Chris Armis has pretty much picked up where this team left off last year and then Obviously, not winning the first game against Montreal, but um, I think there's lots of things to build on coming to this weekend against the Caps.
0: Yeah, you you couldn't really couldn't really say they're not playing well at the moment, given that they beat they beat uh, Lyon in the Champions League. Maybe they're guilty of taking their eye off uh, eye off of MLS while they focus on the Concacaf Champions League, perhaps.
2: Yeah, and I think we've seen that in the past with with different teams being in that league and, and MLS, early, especially early in the year, is that you put. All your eggs in one basket. And I mean, the, the eggs fall through the basket or whatever wording you want to say. But we've seen a lot of those teams try and win the Champions League and, and put everything they have into it. And then MLS, it, it really hurts you later in the year where you're dropping four or five games to start the year, all those points, and you can't make it up at the end of the year with injuries or what have you in the summer. So it is interesting to, to see them win against Leon and hopefully they can do that again at some point and win the, the, the second leg. But, um, yeah, definitely not the start they wanted to be in last season. Yeah,
0: they're they're up against Cruz Azul in the next uh, next round. So another very uh, intriguing matchup there. Um, th- that that loss to Montreal it, it was the highest scoring game last weekend. It was four two to Montreal in the end. Um, both teams with with new head coaches. Toronto played a four two, three one with many names that I have to admit I had to go Google to see where they they came from. <laughs> um, yeah, like. You know, they they they've got a long, long injury list. You know, Altador, Pozuelo, uh I think Akinola is also injured as well. I think only their back line is is somewhat intact and it, it's a pretty good back line. It has, you know, Auro, uh Gonzalez, uh, Laria, yeah. um yeah, and, and Alex Bono in goal. So, you know, it the back line's good, but I'm looking at the rest of the of the team and you've got uh um, Marky Delgado, Michael Bradley. A couple of, you know very good MLS operators there. But last week they were all just you know sixes and sevens and fell four two to to that Montreal team.
2: Yeah, and all, all honestly, it should have been four um, one. I think the the late goal by Richie Laurea was it was a beautiful goal. Don't take nothing away from the international nice little right footed ding over the top of of Bono. But um, yeah, disappointing game. I know Mullins is probably one of the more experienced MLS players besides Michael Bradley, Marky Delgado, and. Gonzalez, um, Lorea has brought a lot, but I think a team lacking that much power with Altidore, Pozzuelo, as you mentioned, um, among others, is, is certainly Toriots as well. If it appears, so um, yeah, missing a lot of bodies. I think their young guys have prepared well for the, the off season, and Greg Vanny gave him some minutes last year, which certainly helped. But a young team, I think, kind of rebuilding. I don't really know how to, you know, how to, how to look at their team and think they're contenders again, but. They are a dangerous team on the wings in the last.
0: Yeah, it's it's hard to know. It, it's it's very tempting to draw conclusions from one result, and you know a loss to Montreal isn't a uh, isn't a death sentence in MLS. You know, like um, maybe it's a new manager bounce from from uh, Montreal, right? Who had their had their own coaching change uh, in the in the past year. One thing that Mark Dos Santos said today really. It made me excited to watch this game. He was speaking about uh, Chris Armas, and um, I forget who it was who asked the question, but someone asked him, uh, "What can you say about uh, about Toronto?" And Mark Santos said something really, really interesting, and um, it kind of showed me a little bit of how he thinks, I guess. But he he said lots of New York Red Bulls identity in that team, and maybe I'm still processing what that actually means, but. New York Red Bulls for a long time played a brand of football that was probably among the most exciting in the league. So that bodes well for for Toronto get in. What do you think?
2: Yeah, and I, I'm really you know interested in that answer as you are, Joe. It seems like you're still processing that. And you talk about the Red Bulls in that era, which I I think you're alluding to the Henri era, and I mean. It helps when you have the best, one of the best strikers of all time. But even after that, like when they had Bradley Wright Phillips and Lloyd Sam, like that team that Chris Armas inherited just a a few years ago did become very exciting. They transitioned into a much younger team after Jesse Marsh um, left. They had Tyler Adams at one point, who's now with RB Leipzig. So it's it's a team that's very very dangerous, and I think you can't take them for granted. Like you mentioned. Yeah, you know the 4-2 loss to Montreal doesn't look that good, but again, they came off a big win and a lot of taxing um, players playing two games in a week early on in the
0: season. So
2: um, yeah, it should be interesting to see how they come out and play.
0: Well, we've heard what what we think, Gideon, but we we aren't really TFC fans. I think we can we can say on this podcast. So um, we we do have an interview to to slice it or to splice in right here, I should say, but. Um, <laughs> Yeah, Michael has spoken to Kristen Knowles of the Vocal Minority Podcast. It's a TFC and Canadian football podcast. So um, let's get some insight from some people who actually watch TFC week in, week out.
3: So I'm delighted now to be joined by Kristen Knowles from the Vocal Minority Podcast, just to talk all things TFC. I'm sure we'll delve into a lot of other stuff as well. Welcome to the show. Finally, Kristen, we've wanted to have you on for a while, just never got around right to it, but welcome.
7: Oh, thank you so much, Mike. It's really a pleasure to be here. I love I love what you guys do, and uh, I'm always happy to to talk to a, a fellow podcaster and uh, supporter of Canadian soccer. So.
3: Well, like without being a, a mutual love fest i like what you guys do out there as well it, i don't have a lot of time to listen to tons of podcasts but yours is one of the ones i've listened to i've started to listen to the ballers is round in montreal as well just from knowing eve and and paul and we, we kind of want to just support the, all the podcasts each and, other yeah because yeah, we're, well, we're we appreciate... all wanting the same thing
7: yes exactly we all want the same thing our voices to be heard and Have something different to listen to, but we appreciate anybody that puts in the time required to listen to our very long show. so
3: Yeah, well, see, that's what I love about your show, though, as well, because it's like it's long, like ours. We've just got to the stage of like, ah, fuck it. It's like (laughs) doesn't matter how. What else is is there to
7: do? This is yeah.
3: (laughs) We can listen in stages. And I don't know, we've gone off tangent right away, but I don't know about you guys, but. We've been like putting out three hour shows, and I thought no one's going to listen to a three hour show, but they've had better listening figures than some yeah, of our shorter ones.
7: It's funny, we get some good feedback too. Or when we do a shorter show now, people are like, Was something missing? Or is one of you sick? What happened? What's going on? <laughs> Just what's I, I had this all planned out? What's happening? But I think, I think because I think people appreciate the conversations, and because we're not. We're less analytical than we used to be on our show in our early days, We did proper we did a lot of uh, analysis because we all came from blog writing, match previews, match breakdowns, all that sort of thing. And then the just you know the more we got into it, the further we got away from hard and fast analysis. And we just love the random conversations, which is how ours started to begin with. it It grew out of Twitter conversations that were mirroring conversations we were having in the stands. And people kept saying, man, you guys should have a podcast. You're so funny. You guys are so smart. You all know what you're talking about. And we we're like, huh, maybe we should have a podcast. And how seven years later. Going?
3: Oh, there we go. It's seven years. I was going to say, how long? Seven it been a years. While?
7: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I am astonished that it has actually been that long. But we've been doing this for seven years.
3: Wow. Yeah, we, so we started March 2013. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, just pretty close with you guys. Fantastic. Well, let's get talking TFC, because from a, from a Whitecaps perspective, we had a Cascadian derby in Utah last week. Now we've got a Canadian derby coming up in Florida. It's a very bizarre year, and it's gonna be very un-Canadian-like weather and stuff. So we'll, we'll dig into that, dig into how TFC's done in the Champions League, but I kind of want to go a little bit back to, to the off-season and I guess the the main big talking point from the off-season is you lost Greg Vanney, you've got Chris Armis. When when Greg Vanney was first appointed, I wasn't sure about that. But over the last few years, I've really come to appreciate what he brought to TFC as a coach. I think he's a great coach. I think going down to the Galaxy is going to turn them around. But how big a blow is it? for TFC to lose him or has he set enough kind of foundations there that it didn't really matter who came in it's just going to carry on
7: it's a really good question and it's it's an it's an interesting thing to consider in that yes a lot of fans uh were upset when he left uh because he had done some very good things and it did take time it took there's still to this day and and often myself included never fully fully trusted um, his vision but obviously the results were there so it's hard to it's hard to quibble with success right you know we went to three cups we won one Mm. we won everything the one year right so that is all very much you know you just point at your record and go well argue with that Um, but I think that him leaving it was a surprise only because the talk earlier in the year was that, oh, yeah, of course he's staying. A contract's there. It just needs to be signed. And then as the year wore on, there was less talk about it. And obviously, you know, he'd, he wanted to do something different. And there's, you know, a little bit of rumblings that he and Curtis, and he, maybe he, Curtis, and Manning weren't on the same page any longer in terms of how they wanted to progress with the club. And, you know, he's had, obviously he played for the Galaxy for a long time. There's a real sense of community and family there for him. So it's a good next step. So I think when he left, yes, people were upset, but I didn't feel bereft um, that he was leaving. I was concerned about what direction the Toronto FC front office would take in terms Mm. of hiring a new manager, but I think one of the things that people really need to, to recognize is that Bill Manning is still around and, you know, sports executives, you know, you can rate them in many different ways and Bill Manning for whatever faults you may assign to him, he is incredibly knowledgeable. He is very passionate and he is very involved in the sport of, of soccer within North America and has been, his entire life, even when he, you know, yes, he moved away from it. He managed them with some other sports, but he's been involved in MLS for a very long time and at a very high level. And he has very specific visions for how to build a club and how to maintain a club. You saw it with RSL and his arrival along with Greg Vanny being put in charge, um, made a world of difference um in toronto and you can look at tim bezbachenko as well um look what he's done with the crew ever since he left although you know he saddled us with a couple tough contracts but that's okay (laughs) um you know curtis has still yet to prove himself but having a very specific vision from the top down in terms of how the money is going to be spent in terms of football knowledge gives us a sort of or at least myself uh a sense of um not not peace but very comfortable or confident that they're not going to completely mess it up like the old days because if this was if this was you know 6 years ago 7 years ago we would all be the sky is falling the sky is falling because the ownership and the people in charge back then were useless and you know did everything wrong over and over and over again so this is different so now we have Chris Armas who is you know honestly he's unproven you know one yeah, yeah. sort of successful ish partial year um with the with the energy drinks and taking over from you know a previously successful coach under you know perhaps trying circumstances but didn't really do anything when you look back at his record it's fine but he's not somebody i'd be like oh yeah we got chris armis did you hear who we got like oh my god no no one's doing that but he has a connection with Ali Curtis. Yeah, for good or for ill, right? I was going like to ask that's... you about
3: that. <laughs>
7: and and when it happened, we were all, you know, at least on our podcast, we were all like, "Oh, yeah." So the you know the Red Bulls, can... yeah, okay. And oh, his coaching staff too. Oh, that's yeah, good. So you all know each other. Oh, that's great, great, good, good. Um, you know, familiarity is it's you know it happens in sport, right? It's a different type of nepotism um you know we've spent several years joking about eric zavaleta's being greg vanny's nephew because he is um, i didn't know that oh yeah 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 oh, greg vanny is eric zavaleta's uncle oh wow we, we we call him the nifty nephew although now we don't know what to call him because his uncle doesn't coach here anymore so oh yeah yeah so we that's 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 long been the sort of a bit of a joke about why eric is still around <laughs> which is a little bit unfair to Zavaleta. He is actually <laughs> a decent player. He's not a great player. He's never going to be a great player, but... He
3: but he's one of those MLS well. guys that you can... like, like Russell Tybert here. He's never going to be an outstanding player, but you, you can rely on him to come in and do a job.
7: Most of the time. Most Zav, of the time. has Zav, had his up and downs, but so is Tybert, right? So, yeah. formerly known as Canadian Soccer Jesus, and no yeah. longer... But you're um, never going to
3: live up to that tag. Though no, soon as ever, soon as you ever. get that, that's it. I
7: know you're done. That that was that was the end of his career right there. So yeah, there's concerns about Armist's qualifications. Whether he's just hired because Curtis is 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 comfortable with him, you know, to hear players speak of him so far has been encouraging. Um, to hear people who cover the team um, that don't work for the team have positive things to say about armis and what his knowledge is at least during during interviews that seems to be positive Um it's it's so early to tell though so it was a very weird off season to have silence 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 chris armis more silence like it's been it's been a very strange off season and one that we thought was going to be Far more volatile. Yes, we expected. We expected a, more of a of a remodel on the squad than what we got.
3: Yeah, because two players moved on, and you yeah. signed a homegrown. Because uh, when we were doing our season preview, and I was looking at it all, because I hadn't followed that closely, I was like, "That can't be right. It mustn't have been updated." And it's like, "Oh wow, that's very unusual in MLS." Now I know it's a successful team got to MLS Cups, lots of good players there. But surely if you haven't won it, you have to freshen things up. Or is that coming in the summer?
7: It's a good question. I I don't I don't think so. Not to the degree that we expected. They are very and they have been for a couple of years. They're very vested in in part of this core of this team. Obviously Michael Bradley and Josie Altador, um marky delgado sorry mark delgado as apparently he wishes to be called now oh really yeah he's changed it to mark it's it's so hard to call him that he's been marky for so long um he's grown up there then he's grown yeah exactly he's a man now uh who else uh justin morrow who again as far as i'm concerned can play for as long as he wants i love him um chris mavinga obviously you need him he's not going anywhere Omar Gonzalez, who, you know, is on his way out as far as I'm concerned. And I love Omar Gonzalez, but he is not the player that he was in 2019. Um, Anyways, there's a few others who have been sort of like, you know, yeah, they aging core is a good way to put it because they are, they're all getting older. There's things that they can't do as well, but they're very vested in these players. They believe in their, I guess, commitment to the team. And commitment to, to being a successful team, um, Michael Bradley is always going to lead that conversation. And even with all of that, um, we were still surprised that they didn't go out and buy a shiny toy. Mm. And because that is often the the TFC way. Whether it's been handled well or not, and obviously in recent years it's been handled quite well. You know, you look at Sebastian Giovinco and Victor Vasquez and uh, Benoit Cheyrou to a certain extent. Uh, you know, magic on the pitch, uh, Pozuelo, obviously, um, and then you know to to lesser to lesser degrees. Obviously, Piatti didn't work out. Um, looking further back, uh, Gilberto and uh, Defoe, but there's there's potential in you know that sort of thing if if they have looked in the right places but instead we have some, them doing something at least right now whether it's by design or for monetary reasons and you know you have to sort of take what they say with a grain of salt right but you hope at least a certain section of tfc fandom hopes that this youth movement is by design and that's where that's where the the belief in armis and curtis comes in because it's something that they have previously done spoken to said is their is their goal and their way of building a team is through their academies and through their younger players
3: yeah because red bulls have always been strong and the ussda they've been strong and yeah. usl they were one of the few second teams that actually played like a proper team that's interesting i mean you mentioned chris armis and folk speaking highly of him. I, I've been on three calls with him since he's been appointed, the two after the CCL games and his introductory one. I, I've had brief interactions. He comes across as a, a super nice guy. I I like coaches that expand on their answers. I, I love speaking to Jim Curtin for that reason. He'll just talk, mm-hmm. talk away if you ask oh, him a yeah. question. And uh, Chris Armis is good for that. But obviously, talking... And doing it on the pitch are two different things do you think the start that tfc's had that win over leon which was magnificent it's like Amazing. i grudgingly offer my praise as a white cap <laughs> yeah, supporter i understand to, to yes. tfc i mean you've got to be honest with the covid outbreak the the lack of games the lack of prep the missing players to even get a draw in Mexico, and I know it was an own goal, but to put in that performance, but then to look so comfortable in the second leg and to get through, that was outstanding. But has that now heaped the pressure on Chris Armis? Because now the support's going to be like, okay, it's the same as normal. We're title contenders. This is it.
7: Well, and that is that is the 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 line to walk. Um, and that is a really good question because again, there's this part of the TFC fandom that has been calling for, like I said, these youth players, these young academy kids to see time, to not just sit on the bench, to not waste away within Toronto FC's academy system and go elsewhere to flourish, Um, or in some cases to lose their careers altogether. But we've been staring at these kids, screaming for them to be played for so long. And to have him do that in two, you know, yes, by necessity because he had a starting 11s where the players injured or sick. Um, to, but to have them do that and go out and win, I still, I, I can't get over it. I am, I watched it. I'm still flabbergasted. I put that up, that, that win is up there in TFC's top five wins, as far as I'm concerned, um, because it's that astonishing that they did that and that these young players not only contributed but did not look at a place on the pitch so yeah there's definitely there's already pressure on this and then tfc fans are used to they're used to a certain level of success now even though we spent all those years being so shit and getting almost comfortable with how bad we were it's it's a badge of honor to have been like oh well, we've seen some things. You weren't there when we spent eight years defending ourselves for being horrible. You just get comfortable with the with the with the badness. So there's a you know it's still sometimes weird to feel like a successful club. 2018 was almost a relief. It was like oh okay, here's the old badness again. All right, we understand this. We're good with this. But yeah, Armus is going to have to maintain. If not necessarily a a, a cup win, they're going to have to get to the playoffs this year. I think for a certain segment of Toronto fandom to consider him a success. Now, if he, for me personally, if he spends an entire season developing the youth players and you know actually you know letting them play and letting them contribute and having it look like at least you know decent. Football, Um, and they just eke into the playoffs, or even if they just barely miss the playoffs, personally, I will be okay with that because this is something that I have wanted to see for this club because they talk about, you know, like I've talked to coaches within the TFC's youth system, and they talk about these players that are coming up, and we see them, and we don't get to watch reserve games anymore like we used to, right? We used to go to reserve games all the time at BMO Field. So you don't get to see it as much unless you really work to. And to have that possibility to actually develop these players and have them grow into first team players who are consistently first team players is something that's honestly really exciting and sets the club up for success for years to come. Instead of looking at each, you know, as their plan is this is our one year plan because that's what it's felt like. You know, every, every year, yes they were for the most part successful but every year with, with with um with greg vanney has felt like a one-year plan this is our one-year plan which is to win mls cup this is again our one-year plan instead of looking two three years down the road and i feel like that's been missing and i feel like this might be again without knowing much about without much evidence um for armors i feel like this might be their plan
3: the thing is though once, like, folk forget the bad years very quickly. Once you've had that success, once you've tasted continued success, when it, it's then not there, you hit a slight bump, the, the hardcore probably understand it. The general fan base don't. Um, it, It's not really the same analogy, but I guess in Scotland this year, Celtic have won everything for years. They've had one bad season. Their fans are like, almost rioting at the ground it's like you had one bad year in a two horse race obviously mls is very different but if if the powers that be don't come out and say look this is kind of a rebuilding year this is our philosophy this is what we're looking to do do you think the general public are going to understand that or are the knives going to be out for arms right away
7: I think that it will lean more towards that. And I don't think that the club has said or will say that this is a rebuilding year. They will point to that, that veteran core that is still within the club that plays when, when well, Josie, um, at a highly competitive level and are game changers. Um, so they will point to that. They will say, you know, the youth, the, the young players are a complement to what they are doing. Um, but also, the fact that they still rumors, notwithstanding, of a certain Venezuelan. Um, if they don't produce a shiny new toy, there is all. There are always going to be questions. Although, like TFC, you know, again, we're very used to them having three high priced um, DPS, mm-hmm. and right now, this is the first time in six years that they haven't filled all three DP spots before the season has started, I think. Um, So yeah, fans are certainly used to that. And definitely general public who aren't part of the the really rabid core. And I think that even if they came out and said, you know what, this is what we're doing, that part of the fan base might not be as accepting Um, whether it's Armis out it won't happen unless this team is 2012, uh, 2011 levels of bad, you know, worst team in the world. Unless that happens, Chris Armas is here for at least two years. And the reason I say that is because for so long, and pre-Vanny, and that was the other thing, that they gave him time a lot longer than I thought they were going to, and Longer than in some cases, I wanted them to consistency. And this team didn't have that for a really long time. Um, you know, the revolving door of coaches, the revolving door of players, where you know we used to do a countdown. We had like forty-three players one year, forty-three <sighs> different players in one calendar year for a for a football club is ridiculous. All took time to the pitch, so that is why he will get time to develop this regardless of what the um, what they say their official plan is
3: Now it's a small sample size obviously so far there's the two games against Leon, excellent, last Saturday not so Uh-oh. excellent and I've, I just pulled the team up again because I couldn't remember like all the like... guys that were in it. <laughs> it it's like you go into the MLS um, lineups thing on MLSsoccer.com it's like there's going to be folk that just look at that and be like, I, Go I don't know who those folk are. Like, like Singh doesn't even have a picture. It's just a blank face on it. I know, I laughed when I saw that. I
7: know, because um,
3: so... But, I mean, that performance, I, I, I've I, been on a lot of Montreal calls over the last year, primarily because of Thierry Henry, because the chance to ask Thierry Henry questions, you don't get that <laughs> every, every day.
7: No, no. Or
3: or anymore. It's, but it's like, it, I took interest in it because Joel Waterman was there, BC Boy, and... I've kind of been interested in their off-season rebuild. But from what I'd seen uh, and just listening to them chatting and everything like that, I didn't expect Saturday's result. I'm pretty sure you guys didn't expect it either. But they came out so strong on the front foot, playing the kind of game that the Whitecaps like to play. And then you've got a TFC team that like to press. But... They're coming off being tired from a monumental e- effort against Leon. Was that just a blip because of the tiredness, the missing players, or is this what you might expect this weekend as well? Or are they going to be rested and you're going to see a, a whole different TFC?
7: I think you're going to see a different TFC this weekend. Sorry, um, I would to I would like to point out that every single MLS club that played in the CCL. Either lost yes. or drew their opening match, every single one. Not a single one put in um, a stellar performance. Again, a couple of them drew, and at least one I think might have been a nil-nil draw. But they yeah, all looked...
3: at Philly Columbus was nil-nil. Philly so they, Columbus, they Philly Columbus. It.
7: Exactly. So that was that was probably the most enjoyable. Oh, Philly, Jim Curtin. Damn you! It's it's they're they're impossible not to like though. Anyway. Um, yeah the but it was very telling to see every single mls side from the ccl um stumble a bit in in the in the opening match now none stumbled so hard as did tfc and i think there's a combination of you know yes the tiredness the carrier the ccl hangover as i like to call it um and you know young players who Especially them. Again, it's not to heap criticism on them at all, but they're really, you know, they're having to adjust and learn very quickly. Um, But Montreal, like power to uh, Wilfred Nancy, who, by the way, I am delighted was handed the reins.
3: Yeah, I was, I was surprised shocked. by that. Even more oh, surprised than Chris Arm is getting
6: your guy's oh, job. It's like
7: hundred percent. When I saw that he threw his hat in the ring, we talked about it on our show a couple times. I, I said, I said, give this man the job. You're not going to, but you should. And then they did, and I just about fell off my chair. Um, but power to him, considering the player turnover they had. In the offseason, the players they lost and they brought in some quality players as well. But like that's a that's a big turnover of starting um core bench strength players that they had to contend with. A new coach, now again, a coach that knows all of them. So that yeah. does make a huge difference. You know, he has been within the impact, sorry, the anyway. Oh impact.
3: I yeah, I can't know. The snowflakes
7: them as I like to call them. Um it looks like a snowflake. So he's been within that program, that organization for a a long time. And obviously has contributed to um, the development, again, of young players um, and of core players. So that does make a world of difference for them. But to see how organized he had them, like that was a team with a plan. That was a team that adjusted on the fly uh, to almost, you know, the TFC threw much at them, but even when, when they, when they were in the game, um, in the second half to, you know, when they'd woken up a bit and done a little bit different, a couple of had shifted some things around, gave them a bit of a different focus. They adjusted to that and they adjusted quickly. And I was impressed at the, the maturity and how they, and how they marked, uh, Toronto's attackers out of the match and how they handled the midfield. Um, and worked around the press, which was hardly a press. It was not very, again, the team was too tired to play that match. You could see it, like Omar Gonzalez had no business being anywhere near the opposition net on on, on, on Saturday. And again, and I love Omar Gonzalez, but he is not fleet of foot. And for his many talents, uh, needed to be back there with Luke Singh, uh, protecting Alex Bono. And you know, let Rachila Rea let Auro who pats off to, to Auro. I, I he doesn't get enough praise from TFC fans as far as I'm concerned. I loved his penalty. <laughs> yeah, it was so oh my god. Um oh dear lord. But I as a player for the most part, he is I don't think people realize one how long he's been with the team now. Um, but how consistent he's been on that side of the pitch for TFC and what a difference it is much of the time when he doesn't play when he was sick last year, when he was injured last year, that was a huge loss. Anyway, I'm, I'm digressing, but I think you will see on Saturday, you're going to have a rested team. Um, you're going to have a team that isn't necessarily looking for revenge, but looking to assert themselves as the team that just beat Leon Mm -hmm. and, um, to also pump themselves up heading into, um, a match against a very good team right now in cruz azul yeah which is terrifying i thought playing leon was bad enough and now it doesn't feel so scary when i look at cruz azul who 10 years ago tfc handled quite well but that was 10 years ago so
3: yeah couldn't have got a tougher draw two mexican teams in the first two (laughs) games could you
7: yeah, that's just the wafer. We don't do anything easily. No, no, no. Sadly, it wasn't
3: forged. We were hoping it was going to be forged, but that that's oh, okay. We won't. Fine. We won't get into that. But I, <laughs> I just pulled the stats up from last week. So like, oh, both Montreal and TFC had 12 shots. Montreal had five shots on goal, four of which ended up in the back of the net. And three Toronto shots on goal, which considering the usual offensive output for TFC obviously... Very surprising. Last couple of things. Mm-hmm. Like, Vancouver have fast-paced guys. Christian Dahomey is really good just now. Diber Caicedo is very fast mm-hmm. as well. Looking at what Kyoto and Toy did to that defense, mm-hmm. do you see changes in the TFC defense? Is there just not anybody that, that can really come in?
7: It, I only see changes if there are players healthy. Because there there isn't anyone. All of all of the players are are injured or sick. So yeah, Julian I looked at Gunn your bench
3: is... for last week just now as well because I couldn't remember who was on it, and it's like, oh, oh
7: yeah, who are not... these people? And Although that, our bench was all homegrowns. Central... <laughs> yeah, none of them are central defenders, um, and that's that's the thing. There's so Eric Zavala is injured or was injured. Uh, Chris Mafinger is injured. Uh, we again we're waiting for updates. Right, I'm not even sure who's healthy right now. Um, yeah it's been very cagey
3: this week there's not been much given away which usually makes me think that yeah
7: armis keeps that is one thing about chris armis is he keeps player status very close to his chest greg Vanny was a lot more open about things like that i find Um, but this this year whether it's armis or it's by design from the whole uh management side they're a lot quieter about these things but julian dunn is out for several weeks another young player who you know loaned the cpl to to winnipeg Mm. um very good and you know we'd sort of wanted to see him obviously uh chris mavenga who is the rock back there and you know is you're able to put almost anybody next to chris mavenga because he's so talented and can roam and make recovery runs and get back and that sort of thing and and you know whatever issues we have with Laurent Simon, glorious slide tackles, notwithstanding, oh, the man loves a slide tackle, um, to have at least when he had a good game, you know, his, again, veteran presence, veteran knowledge. So you're missing a huge presence with three center backs that are all hurt. And I don't know if you can slot Justin Morrow into the center, but Justin Morrow was injured as well, right? But he's he's at least gotten a little bit of time now, so that's good. So he's back. Um and you're missing these players that you need to have now. Whether I uh, you know I'm expecting Quentin Westberg to start this weekend. Um mm. oh yeah, no, I not that not no no disrespect meant to Alex Bono, although I do think Westberg is the better keeper. Yeah. Um by far. And uh I think he should start this weekend, um, and he will also probably play on Tuesday. So that'll be interesting to see if Armus wants to juggle with that little, little rest. But um, well, that, yeah,
3: that that was the other thing for the team selection. It's like with this game coming up, does that shape what they do for this, or do they feel it does? Uh, yeah, because I mean, Vancouver's coming in still missing tons of guys. Yep. MDS spoke yesterday about he's planning on using the five subs. He he used two late subs last week because he didn't really want to bring them on into that environment because it's all the young guys but yeah, with the heat and sure. humidity he feels he, he needs to rely on all five subs we might have Bruno Gaspar and Kyle Alexander coming off the the bench I doubt it Mark put that out there but I, I could be interesting Yeah, but we've got a lot of injuries as well What yeah. what do you think the key is for TFC winning this one
7: the key for TFC winning. Um, God, that's such a good question. It's whether or not um, they're rested enough to execute the press. And if 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 not, whether Armis is willing to adjust his plan and move Michael Bradley back down the pitch as opposed to this more advanced role that he's playing. And whether or not... Um, Patrick Mullins, who is being asked to do a lot right now, given when you see him leading the
3: line, you know you've got some issues there.
7: Exactly. And you know, credit to him. He has actually been fairly effective. But again, he is a good, he is a good MLS player. He is not somebody that should be leading your line. He shouldn't be starting. And I say that as somebody who was dismayed when Patrick Mullins was signed to a lot, an nth degree, but he has proven me wrong on more than one occasion. I have come to appreciate his substitute abilities. And and again, in his veteran presence and his knowledge, but Patrick Mullins should never be leading your line. And he is right now. So it will depend on his ability to focus that attack um, and whether or not, you um, Anybody else from the midfield is available to provide some creativity because they're really missing creativity right now. Uh, yeah, you know, that Jacob Shuffle- week. yeah, you know, Schaffelberg, shuffleboard as I like to call him, um, is a, a nice young man and he's a talented young man, but he is not that person yet at all. He and the is
3: danger is if he has dying. some bad runouts, because like he had that miss last week, and then got yep. burned for pace a, a couple of times as exactly. well. Exactly, that can do more damage to him than yeah, for his else.
7: confidence. And it's happened before because he had, you know, not last year, year before, he had all those games out, and then started to make mistakes, and then you didn't hear from him for quite some time. Whether it was too soon, whether his confidence was dented, and then you also have Michael Bradley taking free kicks
3: yeah he had a bad game last week
7: and again i have come to appreciate michael bradley as the years have gone on i i appreciate his work ethic i i appreciate what he does as a player most of the time and again i you know you look at who was on the pitch well who else was going to take a free kick um maybe auro takes them do you know what i mean let's put the five foot you know four person on free kicks and not have him be the person receiving them. I don't know, he can send in a ball. (laughs) But why doesn't Richie Larea take a free kick? Um, Something like that, something different. Michael Bradley, for all of his skills, free kicks are not one of them. It was like when we had Torsten Franks. Torsten Franks should never be allowed to take free kicks. (laughs) Except for everyone, and again, Michael Bradley does the same thing. Every now and again, he produces a thing of beauty, but that is the exception, not the norm. And. Again, we lack creativity. So to get Jonathan Astorio back, to get Pozuelo back, or to get one of the other attacking players slightly healthier, and I'm not talking about Josie Altidore, um, uh, to have one of them be available to be just a little bit more creative, to draw the defense. If they don't have that, it's, gonna be, it's either going to be an ugly game or it's going to be a grinder of a game.
3: I'm expecting the grinder because I think the heat will really impact us because oh the, the guys yeah, played played the whole 90 minutes. I know, 3 o'clock in the Florida heat. I've only been to Florida once, which was for a pre-season tournament that the White Whitecaps had in 2012, and that was in February. And it was unbearable then in the yep. afternoon, so I can't imagine what April's like, oh, never mind this summer. I mean, no. p- p- what are you expecting then from the game out? Gladly take a draw at this point, keep us unbeaten start to the season.
7: <laughs> I, yeah, I would take, I would happily take a a draw. Um, that, like, I, I will take a quiet, composed, non-flashy draw. You know, just to see. You know, a little back to basics play. Um, nothing that completely exhausts most of the team. Looking ahead to Tuesday. Um, and that's, again, that's always the line they walk, right? Like CCL glory is the last the last uh, box to be checked off for Toronto FC, right? Mm-hmm. And for some fans, myself included, it is something that we've long wanted. Um, it's not for everybody. Some people are like, no, no, she just focus on MLS. And I'm like, ah,
3: yeah, okay. I, I love, love the CCL.
7: I, oh, the CCL is, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. And I hate, I hate that we don't get to watch them in it right now. Oh. it's torturous it's torturous not getting to see them play right in front of you but it's okay it's okay um so like i will sacrifice a lot to see them be successful um so i will take like i said a quiet workmanlike, boring draw um if that sets them up for success on tuesday because that's going to be hard enough. At least it's a late night match, so the sun will be down. That's something. Because um, that's not going to be that's not going to be easy. And not that playing Vancouver will be easy. You know, um, they showed very nicely against uh, against their rivals on the weekend. I watched yeah. that
3: match. We, we've got a lot was, of confidence going at the moment, and yeah. the, the attack is like on fire very confident clicking.
7: oh well you lucas cavallini havers i hate you um <laughs>
3: well the thing is he's so, like he's when so he, saucy the misses he had in that game against bermuda we're like so he gets all that rust out so he's got all that rust out by the it. he's of got that.
7: all of that rust out he looked so focused on the weekend
3: he's very confident right now as well and i, I think know. a confident kava is a very dangerous kava i, I absolutely I think it's going to be a draw, but if the Whitecaps take the lead, I think they'll see it out and usually I don't feel that way about the Whitecaps, but I think it's going to cause TFC to raise the tempo. They might not want to because this game's coming up and if you guys push forward too much, the homie with the former oh, he's in he'll, just he'll, now, he'll just, he'll, yeah. he'll
7: burn us for sure, yeah. Again, if they don't have Chris Mavinga back to to complement what's happening at the back, then yeah. I that that almost worries me more than not having someone creative in the midfield
3: well let's see how it plays out it's been a pleasure talking to you i wish we played you more than once a year we'd get you on again but maybe maybe well, normally, in the MLS cup. normally
7: i think we would yeah maybe the mls cup there we go well when's the when's the voyageurs cup again which one?
3: Oh um. yeah <laughs> what is going to happen with that this year it's like I that's the no idea the big mystery i'm assuming it's going to be the best placed mls team against whatever the cpl can manage to do it's not looking good actually let's just finish on this sure so i saw the cfl teams in ontario can't practice just now so does that mean the the cpl teams they're not practicing either i know ottawa went to spain for a bit but are they basically just kicking their heels while the other teams are training
7: that is exactly what's happening um because it's a it's a province by province thing in terms of uh covid practices now Toronto FC got dispensation to practice Mm. while they were still here before they went to Florida. So the big question, I hesitate to use the word controversy, is what the Campiel offices have done in terms of negotiating with the provincial government about their status as a a sports league, as a sports team, whether they're considered elite enough. Exactly. It's so stupid. Um, to be able to practice and who knows what's going on behind the scenes, whether they're still pushing it, whether they're just sort of throwing their hands up. Um, I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody about it for a little while, so I don't have any sort of up to date knowledge, but it is a frustration, certainly. And, and and it's a frustration on many levels, not just for sporting teams, but for just people in general, but for that sort of thing um, to have it be so uneven across the country, so it's so yeah, hard like as Pacific a played
3: the white caps in a friendly.
7: <laughs> I know, and then yeah, and you've got I don't know what Cal are Calvary allowed to practice right now. I think I don't they, even are. Know if they are, there are. Is no, Alberta? I don't, again, actually, I don't know because
3: I haven't seen pictures right enough.
7: Yeah, so. It really is. It's a province by province thing. So the May long got, weekend's
3: not happening for the start. Oh, then. it's
7: not happening. There's no way. There's no way. I think if we're lucky, and I think, I think it's potentially something for them to aim for. It's also, a, it's a, you know, it's a happy thing and sort of turns on the what the league is for. They aim for Canada Day, and that gives you that gives you a, a marketing hook. There you go, KMPL mm-hmm. listeners, uh, people, I'm, I'm helping. Um, it gives you something to, to hang it all on. You know, the Canadian League is back. Happy Canada Day weekend. Do something around that because at the rate, even as slowly as they're happening in my province and in other provinces, at the rate the vaccinations are going, you will see, you know, good chunks of the population that have both their doses of the vaccine um by that period in time when you can start looking at fans in the stands even and that is the big thing for the cpl right you know they missed a year it's a new league they need the they need the money they need they need they need gate money you know like that's what's going to help keep this going so they're going to hold off as long as they can so maybe Canada Day, but maybe civic long weekend maybe we're looking at august i'm thinking
3: august i'm thinking end of august
7: you know and do uh do a, a three-month season, you know, and that's what this year looks like. Um, it's, 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 it's tough, right? We're all in this weird limbo and it is a difficult place to exist as, as a normal person looking out onto the world, wanting a distraction, wanting entertainment, missing the things that you miss missing your sport, missing your sporting family, you know, one of, again, my, my podcast boys, I haven't laid eyes on them physically in a year, over a year for most of them. I've seen one of them once at a physically distanced drop-off in the summer where it was like, here I will place this here and back away you pick it up like that was it like I that's what otherwise... we
3: we did with our our christmas presents which didn't get delivered until march but that was basically what we what we did with that they came they dropped it off I, I briefly saw them for a few yep. seconds from a distance and that was it
7: so we're desperate for you know and we look enviously at other leagues um at other places who some have fans some don't some have their leagues going some don't and that's the other thing right like
3: some just cram them all into the supporters end like miami and ellie oh,
7: oh scary i i literally i literally felt like kind of almost ill just yeah, looking at that because, Me too.
3: Ugh,
7: please don't and i understand and you know the the public health is the most important thing it absolutely is we we you know we need to come through this safe um, but there are things that I think, like, I think teams should be allowed to practice you're outside, you're physically distanced. If, if they're existing in some kind of bubble, they're being tested all the time. We've seen players play in masks, even practice in a mask, you know, people who are, you know, high level elite health can certainly wear a mask. If doctors can wear masks all day, do you know what I mean? Like it's doable. So I understand the frustration from the sporting side when they can't. I also understand from a fan side where you know we're desperate for that connection with our club and to get to enjoy them again but we also just want everyone to come out of this on the other side safe and well so it's this it's this weird world that we're existing in right now
3: certainly is at least though well, i was gonna say all at least most of the MLS players have been vaccinated. I'm sure Nick DeLeon didn't take part in that, but we, we won't get into that. We won't, yeah, no,
7: that's a whole other show.
3: <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for, for joining me today, Kristen. Oh, thank as, you
7: for As having I said at the me. start,
3: 15, 20 minutes, obviously we've done uh, double that. An, but...
7: an, an, an hour? I don't know how long we've been talking. Well, we were
3: talking for about half an hour before we started that's recording. True, so that's true. I think we've done, let's, I think we've done about 45 minutes. So.
7: Excellent, excellent. Now,
3: before you go though, let everyone know where they can and find you online give a, a good plug to your pod as well
7: all right i uh you can find myself on twitter at kz knowles you can find the vocal minority podcast uh on twitter at vocal minority ca or uh, our website is vocal minority.ca and we are a not just tfc so you can listen to us for other reasons we started as a tfc podcast but we have since uh pivoted let's use a let's use a popular phrase Oh yeah
3: that's the n word
7: oh well, really it is it is the word we have pivoted to being um more canadian soccer focused obviously we still talk about toronto fc that is our local side but we talk about the Camp pl the canadian national teams and world footy as it abuses us and um if you haven't listened to us we're idiots but we, enjoy, we 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 lean into our idiocy we're four friends who love the game and uh love being goofs and pop culture tangents so you should listen to us after you listen to uh, mike's wonderful show
3: you, you definitely should i don't listen as much as i'd like to i need to try and make more time for listening podcasts. you I don't. <laughs> I, the last week's just been absolutely crazy with all the calls and stuff and because no i I've, I've just i've just like jumping on all the calls just because you can't get to trading. you can't get yeah. to games, can't even go and watch any local amateur soccer because it's all out, so I've just exactly. been pouncing on stuff. But pleasure chatting to you. We'll get you on hopefully soon, and hopefully you can get back in the stands watching TFC in person soon. So thanks so much to Kristen for joining us there. Some great insight. We'll get back to Joe and Gideon looking ahead to Saturday's match between the Canadian rivals shortly. But before that, let's bring you this week's beauty and the Beast. Joe still hasn't clarified which one is which.
0: Welcome to this week's Beauty and the Beast. I'm joined again once again by Caroline. Hello, hello. Caroline, Um, I know you really enjoyed this section last week and um, your sisters have actually helped try to rename the section due to your protests last week. Um, Got a few, few options. Not sure if there's anything. Okay, let's hear some of them. Okay, I think my personal favorite is Clueless and the Cleats. Okay, <laughs> kind what? of a take on Beauty and the Beast, but that has more to do with what we're doing. Okay, what else do you have? Um, I have wifey wonders and ask a newbie okay your sisters don't watch soccer do they no kind of shows (laughs) let's see what the fans think and we can um go from there sounds good open to suggestions yes um last week we learned about
1: the something player designated
0: designated yes and this week our topic is something called the supporter's shield what do you think the supporter's shield is? Supporter shield. Yes, I swear you're making these up. <laughs> it sounds like something you would find in like Dungeons and Dragons. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Supporter shield. Um, does it have something like supporters, as in fans? Yes, that much is okay. Yeah. So, so the, the fans shield. shield. The f- like. A Physical shield. There like is a physical shield. The yes. The thing that, like, the netting, so you don't get. Well, I don't no, that's in. Baseball. Oh, are you thinking like a net in the field? Stop, a net that stops the ball from hitting fans. Yeah. No, but no, I, can see, I can see. How you got there? Yeah. Um. Supporters' shield. So, like a metaphorical shield. No, there's a, actually a big clunky shield, and the players sometimes lift it when they're very happy. It's a trophy. Um, I, I, I was going to say their shirts because they lift their shirts when they score goals. Sometimes. Sometimes they sometimes get yellow cards for doing that too, but that's a separate uh, discussion. So the Supporters Shield is it's a, a trophy. It's a trophy. So oh, let let me let me um, try and give you the MLS explanation here. <laughs> but um, so in the MLS, m- much like you know hockey and basketball and baseball there's playoffs mm-hmm. and whoever wins the playoffs wins the mls cup which is like the trophy that everyone really cares about and that's like who qualifies for other tournaments and gets a bunch of uh you know prize money that they win the mls cup but there's this other competition called the supporters shield so you know how you qualify for the playoffs by playing like in a regular season mm-hmm. The Supporters' Shield is the reward for the person who has the best record in the regular season. So that team would make the playoffs.
7: But they might not win
0: it. Exactly. So it's like a, a reward for consistency in the regular season before the real deal gets going, before the playoffs get moving.
7: Who names
0: these? Well, the idea is that it's a trophy dedicated to the supporters. So they call it the Supporters' Shield. and the but Shield... The su- a shield is... It looks like a shield, so they called it a shield rather if than a That makes cup. sense. Yeah. That makes sense. I could show you a picture A picture later. would help. Yeah. Um, but some, it doesn't go to the fans. It goes to a team. You kinda, you dedicate it to the fans, kind of a thing. Yeah, but the fans don't get it. No, as far as I'm aware, yeah. they don't. Yeah. So, support a shield. Thumbs up or thumbs down? For the concept. It's like team of the year title yeah yeah the name i'm guessing you give it a thumbs down always yeah so, so, far. so, so far we've had two topics and the, the name has been the tripping point <laughs> i'm starting to see well, a passion Yeah, and all i have is the name to go on yeah that's what makes this feature fun yeah you yeah <laughs> <laughs> hopefully for the listeners too well mm. thanks very much caroline and we will uh, tune in next week to learn more about the wonderful world of whitecaps and major league soccer sounds good Uh, it's it's going to be a good game i i think um it's always interesting when vancouver play play toronto and uh yeah Gideon, let's have a look at what we think the white caps will will look like um later on we're going to hear from from mark dos santos on the topic but what do you think 4-4-2 again this week yeah, and I think we
2: saw a lot of times last year and then years before, Joe, where then, you know, you win or lose a game and, you know, the team has changed. And now I think, whether that be the injury, but now that I think that they're winning, they have the personnel available to, to play this formation, the 4-4-2, I think they stick with it. Um, there wasn't any injuries from that I can recall from this weekend anyways that um, pertains to the starting 11-0. You know, Goodoy isn't, isn't ready, just started training fully this week And same with the Wusus the Other three guys we mentioned earlier, so you know, if it ain't, don't fix it. I think that's what MDS is gonna shoot for against a, a Toronto team. Again, don't know what to expect, but you don't want to certainly rotate if you don't have to. You, you know, you played four or five days ago come Saturday, so lots of rest. And I think you don't probably won't see many changes in the lineup, if, if any.
0: Yeah, I definitely, I'm thinking along the same lines. You want to reward those players that gave it everything last week, and one way to do that is to give them another chance to do it. Um, In in probably a a higher profile game, you have to say within the Canadian market, right? Uh, I know the teams are all stateside, but um, viewership in Canada should be quite high for this game, given that it's, uh, I think it's Saturday at noon or something like that. It's a pretty good time for a match. Um, One thing I will add too, like
2: it it also helps that you don't have the, the strongest options off the bench. I mean, Theo Bear Yes. Brian Raposo, Patrick Metcalf are probably those three that really jump off the, the pages to come into the game. So, if, like I said, if you don't have the options to replace here, you just won the game and you're, you're happy with your that's why I change it? So let's, let's move on here.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I think um, the only variable here that we don't know is whether or not the players that joined the camp recently. Um, Will make the trip. There, even today, in the interviews that Mark Dos Santos gave, he wasn't quite committing to one way or the other. So, if I think if we do see any different players, it'll be in the last ten minutes. Um, we we can't forget, you know, the Florida Heat at that time of day. It'll be three o'clock in the afternoon in Florida at that time. And Dos Santos was saying today that they were, you know, trying to limit the amount of times the players got water today in. In, uh, in practice, to prepare for that, but really, I think uh, he was of the opinion that you, there's not much you can do. You just have to go there and play and and do the best you can. Is there anyone you would you would take out of the lineup out of you know concern on the from the team that played last weekend? There's nobody that in particular that I think needs to come
2: out. If there was other options like Wusu, Gaspar, uh, Adnan, Alessandra, and Godoy, I think that's a different conversation. But in regards to for guys like you mentioned, and guys like Balismo, this experience and this opportunity to play, this is, is invaluable for him. A guy that broke in last year, yeah, got a goal, but I think his performances may have dipped a little bit um, to end the year. And then especially with the Canada U23s not advancing, I uh, was disappointing. So I think he needs this confidence to play. And if there's nobody else or not any ideal Opportunities for other players to come in for MDS, I think here here in that So that might be the one variance, but other than that, I think it's a good squad to roll with against TFC on, on Saturday at twelve.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I, th- I think we're headed towards a very pleasant headache of who do we play in in the team? You know, the the kind of the kind of thing you want is to have competition for places. So um, you I hate heard.
2: that, and at the same time, you love it. Like it's yeah. it's that two months
0: yeah yeah because then you can get into situations where you know you drop a player if he plays badly and you've got a player a a similar kind of player that can step in and play a similar role or something but yeah i I think the quite caps have done a really good job um supplementing the squad this year we're just waiting for that number 10 (laughs) that we keep hearing about aren't we all (laughs) Yeah. yeah we all need a number 10 in our lives Finally, um, just a kind of a tactical note, I guess, for the game. If you were Mark DeSantos, what kind of uh, weakness would you try and exploit in in TFC from a tactical perspective, Gideon? Um, I think they're the midfield. I mean, on the right side, you have Michael
2: Bradley, who's, you know, the general, the tank, whatever you want to call him, if you're a TFC fan. But Ralph Preso, a a younger uh, midfielder, is definitely, he can look good. He's also had some moments where he's given up the ball. I noticed last year as well in the game against Nashville in the playoffs is where a couple of times he uh, misplayed the ball and it was, you know, felt the hands of Nashville and it didn't end up in the right way for TFC. So him as well as Nobel Keo who started an attacking mid-roll last week. Um, I guess through the middle is what I'm trying to get out here, Joe. Like if you attack the field attacking Midfielder and defensive midfielder for TFC, so just right down the middle of the pitch. I think you'll find some success if you're Vancouver and the young center back Singh as well.
0: Yeah, you you took the words out of my mouth. I, I was looking at the, <laughs> the TFC lineup, and because as I mentioned before, their back line is pretty much intact. Uh, maybe Singh in the in the center back, but then you have Gonzalez to cover for him. Um, so maybe that's not you know the weak, weakest point. But yeah, the the midfield is where the inexperience is, and uh, that that's the area that needs to be dominated, I think, to get uh, quality scoring chances. And getting Baldissimo on the ball in transition is something too. Um, I really liked how Dahomey and Ca- Caicedo stretched Portland last week with, like, uh, you know, they they were making a run before Baldissimo let the ball go. That kind of a uh, that kind of a dynamic. I think something similar could be could be very good here. Yeah. But then again, Gideon, what do we know? Let, let's hear from the man himself, Mark DeSantis.
3: You're heading off to Orlando. It seemed really hot there last weekend. There was a, a lot of hydration breaks and the games that, that took place there. Obviously, you you got a lot out of your players on, on Sunday. It's a shorter turnaround. There's, there's the travel... But the way that Montreal played that game, on the front foot, pressing from the start, it seems certainly the kind of game that, that plays into how you play. What did you make of that Montreal TFC game? I know you don't want to give too much away of what you maybe learned of TFC's weaknesses, but it, it didn't look like a TFC team that you might get this week because
6: I, I think they probably learned a lot from that. Michael, I your your question is fair. And I would love to, to answer with so many details, but I, uh, just forgive me and understand me if I'm not going to do that. Um, I'll yeah. say this. I, I I watched Toronto against Montreal, but I also watched Toronto against Leon and not long ago, everybody was praising how they knocked out Leon and how the, the young players of Toronto did well. And, And we live in a sport that people forget really fast. You know, you're good today, you're bad tomorrow, and it's a roller coaster. So I don't focus on the game Toronto-Montreal. I don't focus on the game um, Toronto-Leon. I watched watched all of them. But where we focus on is the strengths and weaknesses of Toronto and our strengths as a team and what we have to do as a team. And the game against Montreal could repeat itself, but but or not. And the reality is that uh, every game is different, every 90 minutes different. We're playing a team, again, like we did against Portland, a team that is in Champions League, a team that qualified for the quarterfinals of Champions League, a team that won the MLS Cup not long ago, a team that won the Canadian Championship. So you know we do what we did watch the game against montreal but we 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 try to look at uh, more than one game to evaluate uh, what a team does uh, when it comes to the hydration break and the humidity in orlando that's hard that's hard that's a fact that's not easy to to cope with of course they have an advantage in that because they're always training over there and they understand that that part but um, but again, slowly we're getting everybody. We have five substitutions. Um, it's a game that we want to win. We want to come back here with uh, with six points and play these the next two two home games in Salt Lake with the six points. Uh, we want to build on what we've done against Portland. Uh, but we know how hard it is, and we know when a team uh, has a tough day, they they they. They they address things, and it, I, I'm sure it's not going to be the same team.
7: Do you see anything different in the Toronto FC press under Armist than other teams That's that you've played?
6: Neil, I see a lot of uh, of, of uh, Red Bull. A lot. I see a lot of Red Bull. I see a lot of the ideas that Chris learned at the at Red Bull, and uh, he's trying to implement it it, it in Toronto. He's working on, on it uh, in Toronto, and uh, it's very clear what he wants to do there. So there's no doubt in my head what type of team we're going to face.
0: Um, I guess Michael and Neil sort of asked you about it a bit, but just kind of to follow up about the TFC press. Obviously, you got to play them at three o'clock local time and in the Orlando humidity. It's not ideal. So how do you prepare for those kinds of the intensity their press offers in such conditions?
6: Yeah, look, uh, you can't recreate the humidity here in Salt Lake. That's a reality. You can't uh, build a soccer field inside a sauna. Uh, The reality is that you train in Salt Lake and the weather is different. But what we do is uh, we try to limit the times that they drink water today uh, during the training sessions. Uh, So we limit that a lot. Um, uh, and those are the little things we we could do, but it's really hard to recreate the type of atmosphere or humidity that we're going to find at 3 o'clock. The good news is that 3 o'clock over there is 1 o'clock here in Salt Lake, so we're still alert, we're still fresh, still ready to go. I think the five subs are going to matter. I think the five subs in this game, are going to be important and we have to be ready to use it because um, the, 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 the type of weather... When Montreal played the Toronto, they're both in Florida. They're both used to the same type of weather. Now we're not and we, we're going to have to make sure that we're smart dealing with uh, the different phases of the game. <laughs>
0: Head coach Mark Dos Santos there, although his his job title might be a bit different because I can't keep track of what coaches call themselves nowadays. <laughs> First team coach Mark Dos Santos, yes, um, manager. Yeah, Gideon. It wouldn't be a preview pod without a game, so let, let's have our game. We're going to carry over our over under game from from last week. Um, it was quite fun, but we're we're going to change it up a little bit. Instead of going back and forth, we'll do uh, three and three, kind of. Uh, separately rather than, uh, you know, tennis or ping-ponging it back and forth. So um, how about, uh, I'll, I'll give you my three over-unders first and let's see how you do. Sounds like a plan. Okay, so we're going to go off last year's stats for TFC. I'm going to start with Akinola, over-under 30 shots last year. I'm going to say Over. Yeah, 36, so one, one out of one so far. Okay, Jonathan Osorio, 20 games played. Under. Correct again. <laughs> yeah, You're killing it so far. All right, um, Michael Bradley, shots on goal. Uh, sorry, I lost my spot on the page. Michael Bradley, shots on goal, five.
2: I feel like it doesn't shoot enough. I'm going to go under. Yeah, three for three. Congrats. <laughs> right. I need to be perfect. I did not, I did not do research. I promise <laughs> I did not do research on those.
0: You're, you're just generally knowledgeable. That's the thing. All right. Give me my Well, three. I was going to say quickly too, like last year,
2: Osorio, the reason I said under because nobody played like more than 20 games last year. If you did, like you're an exceptional yeah. athlete, like with the, the conditions and all that. Yeah, okay. was a couple of
0: um, them, but uh, most, I, th- I think he had 17 in the end. Okay. Over or under, Josie Alcidor had 10 goals. Over? Oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Under, because I know in research for the show, their top scorer had nine. So, yeah, under.
2: Yes, correct. Okay. Um, TFC, over or under, TFC had five shutouts as a team last year. Ooh.
0: Under. They had, I believe it was seven. Oh, no. Okay. Well, I've already okay. mathematically lost, but I, I deserve my credit.
2: Yeah, for sure. Okay, over, under, TFC had two team red
0: cards last season. Uh, Under, I'll go one. Yeah, they had zero, actually. Oh, cool. Wait, Michael Bradley? Which is... I, I looked. I swear I checked. I guess Jermaine so. Defoe doesn't play for them anymore.
2: No, I know, or or Gilberto. We could have had some throwing hands over a free kick situation again.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, MLS is a great av- or a venue for for silly red cards. Um, Gideon, before we wrap up for the week, um, what 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 do you think the scoreline will be uh, in this uh, Vancouver TFC game? I'm gonna run with two one caps.
2: I think it'll be a close game, and I think it'll be a. Uh, I think Toronto will grab the early game. The, the Whitecaps will claw back and TFC will tire because they're playing all these games in the Champions League.
0: Hmm. Yeah, could be. Um, I'm going to go 1-1, same as I went last week. I was only off by a goal in the end.
2: Post on the counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. I think that's
0: true. <laughs> <one. laughs> yes, um, where can people find you online? At underscore
2: Gittin Hill on Twitter.
0: Okay, and you can find me at Joe DC Van. Thanks very much for listening to episode 445 of the AFTN podcast. Enjoy the game.
1: When you're listening in some far flung corner of the globe to the World Service of a Saturday afternoon, crackly reception, interference, cozy, marvelous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half time, pipe for dad. Mums at home making the tea. Ah oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football hmm?